It's time for Done Being Single with your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Scharf. If you're dating the same type over and over again, making the same mistakes and not finding love, then you're not done being single. What you need is some tough love dating intervention, Trevor and Robbie style. Whether you're new to dating or have been dating forever, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, you know, that's not cool. Better. I'm getting used to the applause. I know. I love the applause. It's coming, so I have to now applaud when I get into bed. And at, in I'm, I, I look forward to the applause every Saturday <laughs> at 12 o'clock. Speaking of applause... Can we can we have some applause for some of our super fans? I think it's time that we sure. share sure. the the love for them sharing us. And I want to give special shout out to Jamie Gold. Oh yeah, Jamie, thank you. Yes, very nice. Oh Excellent. my God, Jamie Gold. Good family. Okay. Um, and- Jamie is like a one woman PR machine for she us is. on Facebook. Thank yes. you, and thank you to everybody for sharing my posts, our posts. I don't even know where to begin. Andrea Miller, Salome, uh, Jillian Franklin, uh, Hope Morris, anybody, everybody who's been just super kind. We are now eight weeks, eight episodes in. This is our ninth. Actually. Ninth. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Um, it goes fast. It really does. It's been a fantastic, fun ride, and it's not over yet. And um, I want it, this, this episode is going to be super cool because um, it's a little bit near and dear to my heart. I, every episode's near and dear to my heart. and But this one... Um, uh, the 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 concept of settling, which you know I'm not a fan of, and I mean I I don't uh, I don't suggest it at any time. But sometimes, sometimes there is a good settling, and we've been talking all week about um, good enough and when good enough is good enough. Right. And not a fan of settling, but I will say it is not the worst thing in the world. There is caveat caveat. Uh, there's a good kind of settling sometimes. So you just, it's got to be the right kind of settling for the right reason. And uh, I feel that in this case, and, and some and a lot of our episodes sort of piggyback on to each other, and there are different variations of a theme. And mm-hmm. this is sort of, we've kind of touched on this in another episode before about uh, being too picky. Mm-hmm. And this, I think, is going to go a little deeper into maybe the upside of settling, if there is. There has to be an upside, of course. And I think that we have been referring all week to the Rolling Stones and the song, You Can't Always Get What You Want, as a, uh, an incredible lyric that I don't even think Mick Jagger realized would have such an afterlife after he wrote it. Uh, Can you sing it? No, Please? I, I would rather not. No, because oh, it's oh. it's it wouldn't do. Why it, I it married a rock star? Come on, no, this is not. why I married so, you. Oh, this is why. So no. you would break out into song. Well, we are in trouble now. <laughs> okay, but you know, you sold me a bill of goods. You said you were a rock star when you date <laughs> when that, you were dating me. That was and the pro and con you episode. Are, I can't get you to sing. No, it's you know, singing is not. It, it's yes, it is. No, yes, it is. No, yes, it is not. Please, okay, so. Can we move from that and just talk about, you know, the yes. subject at hand as opposed okay. to not? Yes. Okay, good. You uh, the, 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 Go ahead, the lyric. Okay, well, the, the lyric is, um, you know, as most people know, it's you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. 
And uh, this brings to mind, uh, if you think about that lyric, uh, I did, and I thought that uh, this makes me feel that getting what you need comes in second place to actually getting what you want, which comes in first. And I don't think anybody really wants to finish second. So very few people would ever cop to acknowledging that they're better off getting what they need over getting what they want. Nor would they be open to hearing from someone else what it is they need when they're too busy trying to get what they want. Okay, so can I can I relay a little story? Can I tell everybody about our um, our fun little tradition of walk and bake? No, I can't. Why not? It's really funny. Okay, so um, okay, it's too late now. It's out. I uh, we are okay. So we're walking to dinner last night, and um, and we are walking home from dinner, and we get into the this conversation about the lyrics, the Stone lyrics, and uh, I was going, I was, and Robbie had mentioned something about getting what you need is second place to getting what you want, and I disagree, I yeah. totally disagree, and it was it it's kind of sparked a deep philosophical conversation as we were walking home from dinner. I don't agree with that. I think that getting what you need is is up there with getting what you want. And sometimes you don't get what you want. But why would seg- why would getting what you need be any less important than getting what you want? Uh, is, is that rhetorical? Yeah. No, I'm asking you. It's not less important. I just think that when you are in a mode where you want to, you're, you're only thinking about what your wants are. Uh you're not able to acknowledge what your needs are. And this also makes me, uh, so does that answer that? Because I, I don't, I disagree with, you know, with you disagreeing, but that's okay. Uh, I, I, you, you, look, you know, at the end of the day, we got married in our 50s. Okay, I'm I don't know what you were looking for. I don't know what you wanted maybe before meeting me. I know what I wanted and I know what I needed. And you marked you checked off pretty much every box. But at the end of the day, and especially I think as you get older and you know what you need, because I think when you're younger, you don't really know what you need. But definitely as I've gotten older, uh, yeah, I know what I need. And it's it's more important. It's like the whole companionship thing and the whole, you know, do you want you want hot sex when you're younger? I, you know, you want hot sex all the time, but um, that sort of evolves into wanting uh, companionship, wanting um, fun, and and uh, hot sex turns into stability and companionship. And someone to love you for everything that you are and with your flaws, because everyone's flawed. That's important to me, that that I found someone who could love me unconditionally. Who was that? Oh. I was, uh, okay. I forgot so, his name. <laughs> well, uh, that is a given. You have, when you proposed, when I proposed, I realized I was done being single. It was that moment when I realized that this is, you were it for me. And, uh, you checked off all my boxes that I had, even though I didn't have any boxes. So, uh, I guess checking off boxes is a form of settling as well. It's settling in that this is good. I can do this. 
I can do this with this person. And I think that the theme of the show is good enough, good enough, really has to do with acknowledging a point when you're with someone that you may be having some struggles with, you may, you may love, but there's problems, but that's normal, I think, in any relationship, for you to come to that point and realize, this is good enough, I'm going to stop looking. And my, yes. I, I have a, a backup here because unfortunately, I think that people don't really realize that good enough is good enough until it's too late. Meaning that's usually after a breakup. And you may have been on a few dates with other people. Then you're thinking of someone that someone you miss because at that moment, the good you shared with that person is more powerful than any of the bad you remember. So you're, you've now arrived at that moment when you're able to acknowledge that hmm, the good enough I had with that person was good enough. What was I thinking? I was going to find something better. So my uh, goal in today's episode is for people to acknowledge this when they're in the throes of the relationship. Don't let it get too late. Don't let it be post-relationship when you realize that, that what you had was good enough. Yes, I would take that also, that thought one step deeper in that I think a lot of people who think that good enough isn't good enough feel that somewhere inside themselves they are not good enough. And I think that is sort of at the root of it all that people who have outrageous expectations or unreasonable uh, you know, think, uh, thinking that somehow uh, there's someone perfect out there or more perfect, or even more perfect is um, no. Sometimes I think looking inside yourself and realizing, yeah, you're, you are, you're great, um, but everyone is, has their thing and, uh, no one's perfect. And more important, you, you heal that part of yourself that feels inadequate or not enough. I think that's a big problem. A lot, a lot of people don't feel enough. Well, and, and that would, um, uh, cause you to realize that, um, I am with someone that, uh, I want to be with. I'm done looking. That you're, am, but th- that you're I enough. I, I have arrived. I am enough for this person. Exactly. This person is enough for me. Exactly. So my final comment to this little segment is, and it's, it's really, I think the most important is that once you acknowledge that good enough is good enough, it's time to fully embrace your partner as you have decided that this is the person for you. You're satisfied with who you are and who your partner is. Embracing this in yourself and others will allow you to soar and achieve incredible levels with your partner because you're accepting and no longer burdened with thinking that you haven't met the right person. Oh, that was beautifully said. Beautifully said, my hubby. My hubby, you're so eloquent. I thank you so much. Uh, we have a guest that we're going to bring on that is going to back this up, this whole thing. And she wrote. Or maybe not. 
Or maybe not. Maybe she's going to blow it out of the water. Uh-huh. But Lori Gottlieb. Oh, a wise name, eh? Yeah. Lori Gottlieb's going to come on. And she's um, a psychotherapist and a New York Times bestselling author. And she wrote a book about this very subject called Marry Him, The Case for Settling for Mr. Good Enough. We're going to bring her on. We're going to talk about this. We're going to get to the bottom of it. And we are going to uh, help you guys and make sense of uh, the whole concept of good enough and settling. Um, call in. Yeah. Okay, are- people. Uh, 888-346-9141. Come o- on operators in. Operators are standing by to take your calls, and we would love to speak with you if you have any uh, comments on today's show or dating in general. Dilemmas. Also, you can email questions. us at and at com. We are here to help. And we are open for business. Phone lines are open. Yes, they are. So we are going to go to break now and come back with Lori Gottlieb. So stay tuned. Now, back to done being single with dating badasses, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Okay. <laughs> that's all we get. That's really loud applause. Get. That's all we get. Yeah, but okay. That's all we get that's is four get. claps. I'm, yeah, just a couple claps. Okay. Right. I guess it's better than nothing. Um, all right. We are back. <laughs> we're back. And we're going to bring on Lori Gottlieb, uh, psych- psychotherapist, speaker, New York Times bestselling author, like I said, most recently of the book Marry Him, The Case for Settling for Mr. Good Enough. She is a frequent contributor to the New York Times, often appears as an expert on the Today Show, CBS This Morning, and NPR, she also writes the weekly advice column, Dear Therapist, mm-hmm. for The Atlantic. In her private practice in L.A., she helps people to have more satisfying relationships, and she coaches singles nationwide. Welcome, Lori. Hello, Lori. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm happy to talk with you guys about this topic. Great. Thanks for being on today, yes. You've had some uh, some experience at this, I know. And uh, I love the title of your book, and I actually, I relate to it on an, another level. Actually, no, the same level, I think, which I'll, we'll get into, but I want to ask you about uh, the title, because you say it's not about, settling isn't about lowering your standards. So in your mind, what is it about, Mr. Good Enough? Right. So so the title, I think, I think when people see the title, The Case for Settling for Mr. Good Enough, uh, the subtitle, they assume that it's about, you know, picking some person that you're not attracted to or you're not completely attracted to or somebody that you're not that interested in or it's kind of like, meh, I'll take them, you know, <laughs> which is not at all what the book is about. In fact, the book is about having higher standards, not lower standards, but higher standards but about the things that matter. So, so often people will, in my view, be settling, even though they think they're not settling. They'll pick somebody who doesn't treat them very well or isn't that into them or, you know, isn't responsible or doesn't call when he says he will, and they're obsessed with that person. And that, to me, is settling. And what I'm trying to get people to do in the book, and it's a, it's a research-based book, so it's, I'm sort of the guinea pig going through it, but it's, it's really about all of the research about what makes for happy, lasting relationships and marriages. And, um, and, and it's not, I, you know, I think that the way we think about settling, um, I'm trying to kind of turn that upside down in the book. Okay. I'm curious, what kind of research did you do uh, for the book? 
Um, I spoke to all kinds of people who tackled relationships from various perspectives. So I spoke to, um, you know, therapists, of course, but I also spoke to researchers who study, um, you know, people who do the marriage lab, people who study what works in marriages and what doesn't work in marriages. I spoke to matchmakers. I spoke to um, behavioral economists who study um, you know, kind of the numbers in dating and in marriage. I spoke to sociologists. I spoke to historians who have studied marriage throughout history um, and really tried to, I, you know, I spoke to people who studied divorce. And so I, I spoke to people who look at relationships from all kinds of perspectives so that we could see what works and what doesn't. I even spoke to people who study arranged marriages. Mm. Uh, did you notice any kind of... Uh, consistent uh, complaints, comments in people that are settling or thinking about it or not able to acknowledge settling? Right. So so the book isn't about settling at all. So I didn't look at it through the lens of settling. That was just a, a subtitle that came up because um, somebody had commented that, um, you know, there was this survey in the book where men and women were asked, you know, like, if you got... 90% of everything that you want in a partner, um, you know, is that good enough or is that settling? And the majority of women said that that was settling, and the majority of men said 90%. I, I hope I can find 90%. Right. And so I think that, you know, it came from that, but without the explanation, I think that it's misleading. Um, so, so the question was, um, you know, why is that? Why do, why do we think that if we don't get 100% of what we want that that's settling? As opposed to, you know, I think that what it does is it, it, it blinds people to what they're actually getting in a person. And I think that people forget that not only are you going to compromise to be with another human being because humans are imperfect, but somebody's going to have to compromise to be with you. And I think that's the part that we forget about. It's almost like we approach dating as if we're shopping and, you know, we're like going through a rack of, of clothes or people and we forget that, you know, when you're shopping, the clothes aren't judging you. They're not saying like, you know, I don't want you to wear me, but, <laughs> you know, or, or, or you're flawed in these ways, that everybody that we're with is going to see the ways in which we aren't perfect either. And so we have to remember that we're not shopping for a partner. We're actually looking for compatibility. We're looking for who do I want to spend my days with? Who do I have similar kind of life goals with? Who do I share values with? Who do I have a good time with? Who am I attracted to? Um, usually the person that we're married to, um, and this is again in the book, is not the the most, you know, like who would we rate as the most attractive person we've ever been with? Um, that often is not the person we're married to. Um, you were, you're talking about percentages and it, it kind of makes me remember uh, a book I read. Do you know Pat Allen? I do. I'm sure yeah. you do. The relationship person. Um, I read a book called, called, uh, getting to, I do. Do you, did you read that book? I haven't, but I, 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 I know it's, um, Okay, so, okay, so she says that, um, she says, don't give up unless he makes you sick or drives you crazy. Nobody is perfect. If he's 51%, keep him. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I think percentages are hard. You know, I think that it, it's really hard to quantify something that has to do with our humanity. So, 
um, you know, I think that I think that when you're with someone, it's hard to know, you know, what are those percentages? Like you may weigh something a lot more heavily than someone else might. So it might be really important to you that the person has, you know, some, you know, something that's that's isn't important to another person. Um, but 51% that that feels <laughs> that's, that, kind that, of low. that's not what I'm talking about in my book. I will say just from personal experience that once I was able to accept the fact that I was not perfect um, and I, you know, I accepted the fact that I was getting older, I was now get turning 50 and um, I was, I mean, I had given up on marriage, but I will tell you when I sort of gave up and came to the conclusion that um Okay, I'm not going to I'm probably not going to meet there is no Mr. Right and I'm not Miss Right. I will say to you it was the, one of the more empowering things I've ever felt because I could relax. I could relax and just right. say well, I, I I need my and I'm going to let all of that stuff that fairy tale shit go and I am just going to relax and and enjoy whoever comes into my life. And whoever comes into my life is going to just meet those needs that I have, which aren't very much, which brings me to my next point, because I heard you on, do we, are we going for break? Uh, break? Okay. I actually listened to um, you on Brian Howie's Great Love Debate um, podcast, and he makes the case for there's three things that women want, and that's safety, sexy, they want to be safe, they want to feel sexy, and they want to be seen. And I think you answered that, but I wasn't sure what the equivalent for men is, what you think. Right. I, I don't think that, that, that we can really generalize what, what women want or what men want. I think, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier about, um, you know, that, about Mr. Right, I do think that there's Mr. Right. I just think we, we don't define what Mr. and Ms. Right really is. It's kind of like there's no perfect person, but there's the perfect person for you. And I think everybody, you know, when they open themselves up to that idea that I'm not looking for a perfect person, I'm looking for the perfect person for me. And, I, and I'm looking for the person for whom I'm going to be the perfect person, for them, not that either person is perfect. And so I think that, that people, um, you know, when they start like doing these checklists in their heads, and I don't think that any of us, you know, is like a 16 year old girl who like sits down and writes a checklist, but I think that we have them in our heads and we carry them around without realizing it. But what we don't have on our list and what we should have are things like where I feel like people are settling and shouldn't be, which are the character qualities. Um, you know, is this person kind, not just to me, but in the world? Is this person generous, you know, generosity of spirit? Is this person flexible? Studies show that, that people who are flexible do much better in marriage than people who are rigid. So um, flexibility is one of the number one predictors of whether a marriage is going to work if both partners are flexible. It's funny, Lori. So, right now, Trev and I are both pointing at each other. We're just pointing yeah, at each other. Like, I'm pointing yeah, at No, not in a good Did way. Did you hear We're, that? A, yeah, Did you, you hear see that? Flexibility. See, see you, flexibility. you've got to be more flexible. That's yeah, what this is you got to be more to, flexible. No, you have to be more. Okay, so. Hi, well, you so know, we're back with so much easier. So. It's so much easier to make a case for why the other person has to change. I see this. I treat a lot of couples in my private practice. And most people will come in and make a case for why the other person has to change. And my question always is, um, how are you going to change? 
Good question. Right? You can influence you. your partner, <laughs> but you can't change your partner. Right. No. You can't change. And so and so and so when you're dating, that's really important to see too, which is that you know, you can focus a lot on all of the perceived deficits of your partner. Now, some of them might be deal breakers, in which case you should move on. But oftentimes, and, I, you know, Marry Him was written for single people, but it ended up being a book that is embraced by so many married people. I get mail all the time from married people who talk about how much it helped them in their marriages to kind of step back and, and zoom out and look at the big picture and say, wow, all of these things that I'm complaining about, I might have a role in that. And what is my role in that? So that I can see what's me, what's the other person, and, you know, and then you can figure out what to do about it. Yes. Well, okay, but so... in dating, we don't step back and do that because we think, oh, well, if there's anything that I'm, you know, having an issue with, well, it must be the other person, and there must be some better person out there. And so it, it really helps to examine, you know, it, it, am I doing this in all of the people, you know, am I doing this with all of the people that I'm dating? Is there a pattern here? You know, is it, could it be that every guy or every woman that I'm dating really has, you know, these problems or am I bringing something to this or am I choosing people who are not really appropriate for me? And then I get into these situations because, mm -hmm. you know, often what happens is we're in these patterns and we don't realize it. And then we feel like, well, I'm just, you know, meeting bad people or I'm not really having any luck. And I don't think it's about luck. I think it's partly about luck, right? But it's also right. partly about how intentional are you in making these choices? And what I'm doing in Marry Him is I'm giving people a roadmap to look at how can you make better choices? How can you um, pick people that are going to be much closer to what you want so that you can find the person who fits. Uh, well said. Well, we have, we have a break coming up right now, but we also have a couple callers on the line that we're going to go to after we come back from the break. So Lori, right. please stick around and uh, we're going to uh, see what's on their minds. So we'll be right back. Is email an important part of your business? It is for us. That's why Voice America partners with MailJet. MailJet lets us create impactful newsletters and deliver them right to the inbox fast. Microsoft, MIT, and Avis trust MailJet for their emailing, and so should you. Go to MailJet.com and use the promo code VOICEAMERICA to start emailing for free today. Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
You're listening to Done Being Single with dating interventionists Trevor and Robbie Sharp. If you've got a question, a dilemma, or dating nightmare you want to share, call us today at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. You can also reach us by email, Trevor and Robbie at DoneBeingSingle.com. And now, back to Done Being Single with dating badasses Trevor and Robbie Sharp. Lori, you know, you remind me of this little needlepoint pillow my mother used to have um, on her bed. It said, I may, I may not be perfect, but I'm perfect for you. Uh-huh. Exactly. Right? Yes. And you also remind me of that. There's an old saying, something like, men marry women hoping they'll never change, and women marry men hoping they will change, or something something to that effect, That's right? That's <laughs> Have you heard that before? I don't know. Maybe. I think, though, that, that it's important to remember, and that's why in Marry Him I really talk about the, the qualities that matter for the long term, because people, both men and women, change over the course of their marriage. And it's important to be with someone that, um, you know, that you guys can change well together with. Flexibility, like you said. Uh, well, we have a caller on, I think. Uh, Cindy, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Cindy. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Robbie? We are doing great, thank you. What's on your mind? Um, well, I agree with everything that all of you have said, and I don't have so much as a, a question as just sort of a comment, um, my perspective, um, having been married. Um, and for me, sort of what's really important at the end of the day when you're is listening to your gut because that will never, for me, it never steers me wrong. And every time I've not listened to it, I've regretted it. Mm-hmm. And it also makes me think about what you said in one of your shows a few weeks ago with your relationship, how when you know it's right, it's effortless. And I did have that once in my life. And so I completely agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that you, it's, while there's going to be challenges, you just have this gut feeling that this is my person. How do you trust your gut? Anybody? I I just do. I I think it's experience. And has your gut ever uh, steered you wrong? It's not. I've ignored it, and that's where I've gone wrong. Right. Mm, Okay. (laughs) So you suppress what it is that you're feeling to further the relationship? Yeah, at the time, there were other factors at play that, I said, okay, well, there's these other things that exist. They're really important. They're not trivial things. They're character qualities. But there were certain things, I don't really want to get into the specifics, that were missing. And I said, well, hopefully over time, those things will get better. But they weren't there initially. That makes sense. They won't. They won't. You're so right that that it's important to look at the person in front of you. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, again, you're not going to change another person. So it, it, it's really important to look at your gut and say, you know, hey, I, I wish I could make this work, but I can't because these things just aren't there and not waste your time or the other person's time and make sure that you find someone where, you know, you don't feel that lack. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Thoughts? Well, uh, no. Uh, Cindy, are you dating now, actively dating? I actively um i'm trying 
what and and how are you trying? What in what? Uh, well, that's the part. How that's are you doing? Challenging. You know, I'm like everybody else. I'm I'm looking online, um, mm-hmm. but not having a great deal of success. Um, and I don't really meet people in my day to day life. Um, wish I could. Well, um, Lori, this but, brings up a question I have. Is there? Uh, I was curious. Uh, what skills should people be developing to be better at online dating that they wouldn't That's normally a great think about? Question. Yeah, there's a there's a whole chapter in Marry Him about online dating and the pitfalls of that we fall into and how to how to get around that. And basically, um, there are a lot of ways in which we take information that we get online and we think that we're going to be compatible with that person. And in the in the book, I talk to these researchers. Um, who uh, who actually their their whole field was studying online dating and they had a really great um, studies and tips about that. So if she, if she wants to check that out, I think that would be helpful. Okay, okay sounds good. All right, thanks, Cindy. Thank you for thank the call. You so much. Appreciate okay, it. Good luck bye. with everything. Thanks. Bye. Uh, we have another caller, uh, Stephen. Are you there? Hello. Hello. I'm there. Hello. Hey, Stephen. How are you? Excellent. How are you guys doing? Hey, Stephen. We're good, thank you. Thanks for calling in. Hi, Trevor. What's up? Hey, Stephen. What's on your mind? Well, I, you know, I, um, I don't know about settling. Um, you know, I, I could have settled in my marriage. You know, there were, you know, probably, you know, eight out of ten things that were correct, but basically, I lacked intimacy in on all levels, and and I've been dating and. Um, but not settling. Um, and, uh, and I agree that it's something that, that when it's right, you just know it in your gut and you have to go learn how to, to identify that, that sensation that, that you have where things are right. And then, you know, I'm still looking and, um, um, but you know, I'm looking for someone that, you know, I, I want to live with and want to build a life with, and someone that I'm attracted to and the chemistry is right. And they're, the, they're a good person. They're kind. They have goals that, and values what, that are similar to mine. Do you think um, you're looking for something that's elusive, too elusive though? I don't think so. I think that it's just, you know, uh, it'll happen. It's just, and, you know, maybe it already did. You want to keep those, you want to keep those, uh, had dinner with someone last night that I, that I, you know, I think has great potential with me, for me, for us. What ends up, I mean, uh, in the interest of full disclosure here, I know Stephen and, um, I have fixed Stephen up on a lot of dates and I've introduced him to a lot of really great women. And, um, I, wonder why uh, it hasn't happened and maybe you are not maybe you're not you're looking for something that may not exist or that you're not checking in with something deeper in you that just would be happy with someone that you know checks off some of those boxes that are really really sort of uh, fundamental basic not not the higher more evolved ones but the basic like on the on Maslow's hierarchy of needs you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, well, you want someone attractive, uh, but what about the basic needs? Can you just be happy with getting those met? Yeah, I don't think I'm high maintenance at all. 
um, I, I just think it, you know, it has to be right on both sides. And, you know, some of the people that you fixed me up with weren't interested in pursuing a relationship with me. And same thing on my end. Uh, and I don't know how many there were, but there weren't you know, dozens. Uh, I mean, maybe two or three. Um, well, please forgive her then, uh, Stephen, <laughs> because some, sometimes she'll, maybe she'll four. fix people up. Maybe four, may, Trevor. But um, Trevor has a, but, Trevor uh, can... That's she can great. fix that's people great. up. Even that's great to hear that that you that you had a good date last night. Can you can you share what it was that made you think that there was potential for you know that that made you excited about her? Well, it's someone that I've known for about eight months. Who's you know has I have a you know I have a handicapped son, and you know Trevor and Robbie both uh, uh, were coaches for uh, the Special Olympics, and maybe still are. Uh, and so I have a son that's handicapped, and uh, he's in a day program at a place called Creative Steps. And I met this woman; she's on the board of Creative Steps, and she has a handicapped son. And uh, and I just felt um, when I first met her, I just felt that it was right, and she had a boyfriend. And uh, mm-hmm. no matter how much I lobbied, um, you know, she was still with him. Well, she recently broke up with him, and. Uh, I had her over for dinner last night, and you know she's, you know, um, you know I I I thought she was the shared then, and I still do, uh, but I you know we're I'm gonna go slow on this one. Uh, Did she cook? She's. How was her you know, cooking? Who, who cooked? Who cooked? What? Who cooked? You or her? Uh, actually, both. Uh, she came over. You know, I'm vegan now, so. She came over and she made a vegan soup uh, and a Israeli salad. And I made um, uh, a uh, vegan pizza with mushrooms and onions and uh, and a cauliflower steaks with chamola sauce. So Jesus, we both want to come over here and you're in the wrong business, Stephen. (laughs) That's very personal private chef. I think you missed your calling. But well, I think, what, I think I, yeah. what he's talking about is that they have some fundamental things in common. And one of the things I think people overlook when they're dating is, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether they, whether, they can re- whether they want the same kind of lifestyle, whether they can relate to the same goals about, like, kids and family or no kids or where they want to live or how they want to do things like what are they going to do with their careers and how that's going to impact, you know, their marriage and, um, you know, how are they going to balance that together? How are they going to work together as a team? And, and I think, you know, you both have children who have similar issues and, you know, it's hard for people maybe to understand in the same way if they haven't experienced that. So that's, you know, that's as a foundational step. We'll see what happens with you guys. But um, I can see why, you know, you guys um, gravitated toward each other. Right. Um, Question for Laura. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Stephen. I married someone that was completely different than I was. Uh, You know, in in the long run, she was. I mean, I didn't think so when I married her. Um, But, you know, she came from a farm in Nebraska and... um, uh, different religion, uh, and then ultimately different values. Um, and, uh, and there were a lot of things we couldn't talk about because, you know, it was like oil and water. And I'm gravitated and attracted to people now that are 
more similar to me. And, it, you know, the excitement of having someone uh, different is, is not that great for me anymore. And this woman uh, is, uh, came from a similar family and has similar values and similar goals. And uh, I'll see, we'll see where it goes. But, but uh, I'm not so much attracted to someone that's, you know, quite different than I, than I am, like I was right. when I was younger. And I think when we're young, often, especially in our 20s, we were attracted to, you know, what's different, what's kind of, you know, like the, the shiny, sparkly thing out there that's so kind of different from us. Um, exactly. And yet that, that tends not to, you know, again, if you look at the studies in Merriam, it tends not to be, um, it, it tends to cause more problems. Um, we actually want to be with someone who's very similar in these fundamental ways. And it might not be initially when you meet that person, they, they don't look as interesting because it's like kind of looking in the mirror a little bit. <laughs> um, but when Precisely. You, when, and, then, and then when you look at this person who seems so exotic or different or they have all these qualities that, that you think, oh, you know, I don't really have that in my own life, but I can get that through this other person. Um, we don't really consciously think that, but unconsciously that's part of the draw to that other, you know, kind of different person. Um, but then, you know, as a partnership and as a couple, as you go through the decades in life, those differences make themselves heard. And, right. um, and they can be, they're not insurmountable, <clears throat> but they just, they just put you in a place where you're going to have challenges that maybe couples who are more similar might not have. Uh, right. We ha actually exactly. have to go to a break right now, Lori and Steve. So, Stephen, thank you so much for the call. We wish you luck. It sounds like uh, this sounds like you're well fed. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> yeah. it also sounds like uh, you're on I your am. way. I hope we wish you well with this woman, and uh, hope it turns out great. great. And we'll Thanks see you so at Special great, Olympics. Great talking with everybody. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. All right, we're going to a break. Lori, stick around, and we'll be back in a couple minutes. And now back to done being single with married couple and dating ass kickers. Trevor and Robbie Scharf. Oh, we are on. That was a, that was that faster was a than the applause. Break. How about that? Wow. <laughs> okay, we're back. So we're Lori, back are you and... with us? I am. Okay. That was nice. Stephen sounds like he's uh, got somebody, and I hope yes. it, it nurtures and becomes something real for him. Yeah, he is. Um, I know him. And uh, I like him, and he's a good guy, and uh, he offers a lot to anybody. Okay, so, so I have I, I want to just say something to Lori, Lori to Lori, okay, girl to girl, Lori. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, the the whole um, the lyric of say it again. I don't, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes. Okay, that is so um, resonates with me. Because I went through what you went through, um, attempting single motherhood, and I tried for many years and moved heaven and earth and was not successful. And I was devastated. And then when um, I started to heal, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what was next for me because I had really gone balls to the wall with this whole single motherhood, this baby quest, which left me, um, my body, you know, was, I, I, you, know, you know the drill. I was tired. Um, I was broke. Um, and it was really an ordeal, but one that I do not regret for one minute because, because even though 
I didn't get what I wanted. I really, you know, my husband, the sound effects guy. Okay. You know, I'm trying, I'm like, this is a serious story and you're having gas. Uh. Okay. Quiet. Lori, are you with me? Yeah. Are you following me, Lori? You know where I'm going with this. Okay. So I didn't, I did. Right. This is what I'm saying. I didn't get what I wanted. Was I brokenhearted? Yes. Was I disappointed? Yes. Was I devastated? Yes. But um, somehow I got what I needed. And I will tell you that there, there's truth to that, to that lyric. And if you just, sometimes if you settle in, in a way that is um, self-respecting and self-loving, in a way that you are not lowering your standards, in a way that you are not lowering your bar, you can keep your bar raised, you can keep your standards high, there is a way to get what you need. And I got how, I, I don't know how, uh, maybe, you know, it was hard work, it was a little luck, it was the right time, it was obviously the right person, um, but even if it didn't come along in the shape of a, of a man named Robbie Scharf, um, I think I would have gotten what I needed, which was at the end of that whole experience, even though I came up empty-handed, um, I was a stronger person for it. So I found my strength. I found my power. I found my self-respect. Uh, attempting single motherhood is no easy task. It kicks your ass. It will show you what you are made of. And you could say that about anybody and anything, any any quest. Um, when you come out the other side, somehow you're changed, you're stronger, you're clearer. Um, and I would say to anybody, any woman listening and man listening to this, that uh, it is possible to get your needs met. And that's really at the end of the day. It's all, and I say this all the time. Make just whoever you're dating, make sure you get your needs met. Am I am I right about right. this? Sorry, that was that was a long way of saying that, but you get what I'm or where I was going. Yeah, absolutely. I you you have to get your needs met. I think you also um, you want to have your wants met. And so when I talk about needs and marry him, I talk about them as um, sort of a first date litmus test. So if this person meets your needs um, on paper, online, whatever, whatever it is that you imagine, go on that first date, right? So don't just, don't just reject people because their height isn't what you want their height to be based on their online profile. Um, they, you know, like that, that I think you have to look at your needs and get in a room with a person and then you can see, you know, what else is there between the two of you. So I think I think needs are really clear. I think often what people do is they'll go on dates with their wants, disregarding the fact that the person that they're with doesn't meet their needs. And that's a real problem. And that's where they end up spending a lot of time in relationships that ultimately don't work. And they end up feeling like, you know, and, and I think they they go through a process that makes them feel very, um, they get into kind of like a negative spiral because they're wasting their energy um, when from the very beginning they knew that their needs were not going to get met, but they didn't want to look at that. They just were all about the wants. Uh, Lori, we, it's time for tip of the week. Uh, is, do you have any tips as to how we can go about getting our needs met? What should we be looking for? Is there 
I think get really clear on what your needs are and um, be really scrupulous with yourself about making sure that you're dating those people as a bare minimum. And then you can see, you know, all the good stuff, all the wants. Do they have them? Do they not have them? How are we together? But don't waste your time even going on a date with someone if they don't, if you know that needs-wise, um, you know, they're not going to have that if you have that information or even after a first date if you get that information. Don't go on that second date. But if they do meet your needs, then you might consider going on that second date and seeing what happens over the next couple of dates. And then, you know, if it's not there, it's not there and, and don't waste mm-hmm. your time. But um, but I think that, that people overlook their needs too much and they need to really have extremely high standards about getting those fundamental needs met. Um. Lori, I have a, a friend of mine that whose whose husband died about three years ago, and uh, he was just a stellar guy. I mean, really, just uh, on every level, extraordinary. She's just getting back into the dating pool and back on the market, and she's having a hard time finding guys to measure up. What would you say to her? Every no one can measure up to this guy. I think she's going to find a different person and and I think that if she thinks if she keeps trying to compare other people to you know there you know she had this epic love right and hopefully she'll get another epic love story but it might look different from the first epic love story and she needs to make room for those stories to look a little bit different okay I hope she's listening you'll relay that to her I hope yeah uh Lori we can't thank you enough for being our guest today your book is called, called Marry Him, right. uh-huh. the, the Case for Settling for Mr. Good Enough. And Look where can we Lori. find it? Where can it be found? You can find it on Amazon or your in- local independent bookstore or your local big chain bookstore, wherever and books are sold. What's your website? Uh, my website is lauriegottlieb.com. And people can also find me with my weekly Dear Therapist column in The Atlantic, which comes out every Wednesday. All right. Excellent. Well, Lori, thank you so much for uh, spending your Saturday with us. Thank you, Lori. My uh, pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for the conversation. Of course. Uh, Trevor, do we have uh, anything for next week? Yeah, next week we are, um, get ready, we're going to do some live couples counseling. Oh, boy. On the air. Hey, wow. Okay, with uh, couples counselor and frequent Oprah guest, Jonathan Robinson. Okay. So uh, if you guys want to be in a relationship, you know, Okay, start here and listen to us because he's going to psychoanalyze us first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to be sick that day, but okay. Uh, no, but it will make you sick. It might. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And, thank you, uh, everybody. Will... This is great. We are done being single, and we hope you are too. And join us next week. See you next week on Done Being Single. 